What's up, y'all? If you're not following me, subscribe now and hit the notification bell to be alerted when I post more business-related content. All right, now let's start the show. Supreme was founded in 1994 by James Jabia. That same year, Nelson Mandela became president. O.J. Simpson was arrested for the killing of Nicole Brown Simpson, and Nas released the iconic Illmatic. In 1978, James made his money by playing Thomas Watson on the BBC series Grand Chill. When that money dried up, he worked at Union NYC in 1989 and helped open Stussy NYC in 1991. While working there, James saved $12,000 to open the location for the first Supreme store. The first Supreme store opened in an old office space on Lafayette Street in downtown Manhattan in April 1994. James had a vision for his store. He wanted a welcoming environment that was open so skaters can come right in with their skateboards. In the beginning, Supreme wasn't making much money, so James had to continue working at Stussy while running Supreme on the side. This is how he learned about the retail industry. Nothing about Supreme was planned in advance. Its success was a coincidence of place, time, and hard work. James got the idea for Supreme's iconic logo from Barbara Kruger's Propaganda art. That same year the first store opened, James wanted to create a buzz for Supreme. The brand put their new logo on a 1994 Calvin Klein Kate Moss ads. The result was the first of many lawsuits for the new company. Supreme's growth came from the limited amount of pieces that were made. James once said that nothing Supreme puts out will ever be classified as limited but notes that they make short runs because they don't want to get stuck with things that nobody wants. Because of this, Supreme keeps its advertising to a minimum. This is done to prevent overexposure. Now, the pace was slow, but it's quick enough to satisfy customer demand. Like I said, Supreme wasn't big on advertising. As powerful as the company was, Supreme didn't launch a website until 2006. It was purposefully late to Instagram, too. Outside of Japanese fashion magazines and downtown NYC wheat paste poster campaigns, Supreme's only real marketing efforts are made in the skate world. Conveniently, marketing to skaters is likely the best way for Supreme to market to the fashion world. In other words, the fact that Supreme doesn't pander to the fashion industry only makes its allure more powerful. The brand has seen its share of lawsuits. Supreme collaborated with many brands with and without permission. This will soon bite them in the ass. In the year 2000, they made a 24-inch cruiser bike with Brooklyn Machine Works, and they sold the bikes for $1,800 apiece. In the year 2003, they tried to release Nike Dunk Lows to complement the Nike Dunk Highs, but were rejected due to copyright issues with Nike. What did they think would happen? There were numerous cease and desist orders against Supreme. They had lawsuits from the NCAA in 2007, NHL in 2009, and Louis Vuitton in the year 2000. In 2016, Supreme tried to sue another company that was trying to use their name, Supreme. They lost this lawsuit in an Italian court, and as a result, Supreme cannot register its trademark in Europe. Supreme items not manufactured by Supreme can be sold in Italy and Spain. And Samsung was able to sign a promotion agreement with the European Supreme 
And because of this, the term real fakes was created. The brand has become such an iconic staple within the culture. The Supreme logo is currently on display at the Museum of Modern Art. Ten years after the first store opening, a second location was opened on North Fairfax in L.A., California, which is nearly double the size of the original New York store, and it features an indoor skate bowl. In 2017, James sold 50% of the iconic brand for $500 million to the private equity firm, the Carlisle Group. The Carlisle Group was founded in 1987 in Washington, D.C. by David Rubenstein. David is most known for his show on Bloomberg and purchasing the Magna Carta for $21.3 million. Not the Magna Carta that was one of Jay-Z's worst albums, but the real Magna Carta. Now, Carlisle's deal with Supreme was reportedly a 50% agreement, meaning the brand boasts a market value of roughly $1 billion. Building a brand that lasts for 25 years isn't easy. The steps that James took were 1. Create a high-quality product that will last a long time. 2. Sell it for an accessible price. And 3. Make people desperately want to buy it. Limited products has become Supreme's greatest strategy and one of its most important innovations. It's part of why the brand has so many loyal fans and why it has left so many shoppers frustrated and bitter. But this strategy evolved naturally out of the early days when the shop was nearly empty. Short runs were produced out of necessity because James lacked the resources to keep a steady assortment of goods in stock, and that worked for him. The blueprint is easy to read, but executing the plan is far trickier. Supreme has deliberately rearranged the alignment of the entire fashion industry. I say that to say this. Every company has its own path to success. You can take pieces from here, take pieces from there, but it's almost guaranteed that your journey will be different. As of this recording, Supreme plans on opening its 12th store on Market Street in San Francisco. The iconic brand is continuing with its slow and steady pace and has a bright future ahead of them. I would love to hear your thoughts on Supreme's limited product strategy. On one hand, it increases the resale value, but on the other hand, Supreme could just make more items and keep that revenue in-house. I think Kanye is using a similar strategy with the Yeezy brand. Also, do you think it was a good idea that Supreme copied Barbara Kruger's propaganda art for his logo? Do you think they'll be able to get away with that in 2020? I would love to hear what you have to say. Until next time, subscribe to the channel, like this video. I'll see you guys soon.